Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumpke is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumpke will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumpke. Apply now at RumpkeCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online, online. with Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Hi everyone, yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, the Keysport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ Newcastle, HOFMRadio.com, 1620 AM, Huntington Community Radio, Huntington, PA, Mixtape Radio International at MTRI.co.uk, Steel FM at SteelFM.org, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM, Rehoboth, Delaware, RadioRehoboth.com, Orca Radio. At orcaradio.coffeecop.com, Owensboro, Kentucky, and streaming live online at pghtalkradio.com. For some strange reason, I can go through that whole list forward and backwards, and the station in Owensboro, Kentucky just knocks me out of the loop. I don't know why. It just happens. Every week, if you noticed, I stop right there. But anyhow, enough of me babbling about my problems <laughs> on this. Uh, on this wonderful day. Now, in the past, we have talked to therapists, plastic surgeons. Uh, we have talked to general practitioners. But today, we're talking to our first dentist on the program. The name is Sally Bomber, and I hope I got that right. Please tell me yeah. I was at least close. Yeah, very close. Oh, okay. <laughs> So you are, um, do me a favor, explain to my audience who you are. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like you said, I am a trained dental surgeon and a public health professional. Um, and most of my work or the research that I do, it revolves around finding ways to improve health outcomes in patients, you know, for their overall health or quality of life, as well as you know, outcomes related to specific disease conditions or specific treatment modalities. Yes, that is what I do. So with you doing that, does does everything that we feel internally, externally, does it all relate back to the teeth or oral health care in some way? Yes, yes. I, I, I think it, it applies for... Uh, the, the wellness of your body in its entirety, right? Okay. Uh, I, I I haven't seen a patient who who has a toothache or an oral ulcer who's feeling happy that day. <laughs> I have never seen a happy patient with pain. Good point. So definitely, it it all comes down to that, right? Yeah. Your uh, overall well being. Yeah, I I know what a bear I am, and when I have the problem, I've had. In the last three months, I've had two root canals, and let me tell you, they were not fun. Um, <laughs> but 
um, when whenever you you try to self medicate, bourbon works really well to try to ease that pain. If not, you don't care what you feel. Uh, so I'm looking at the information that I have on you, and the interesting thing about it, it talks about um, this whole idea of technology, the buy-in mm-hmm. during the pandemic. How does that relate to the dental field? Because I know telemedicine, the way it works with therapists and doctors, but how does it work with dentistry? Yeah, that's that's a very good point. So I think, you know, uh, what happened during the pandemic really is uh, all of a sudden there was the emergency declaration of hospitals and clinics and everything had to, like, take a step back and a lot of times closed down right so the same happened with uh, dental clinics and hospitals for dental surgeries so uh even the basic consultations are just having to talk to your doctor about hey this is the condition i'm that i'm facing right now uh do you have any suggestions for me or what can i do about my pain or what do we do about the the surgery that we we had planned uh two days from now these are the kind of things for which you may not have to be in in the dental office or in the hospital at that given point, right? And you could very much use digital technology. You could very much use telehealth consultations for these, right? So, yeah, it's useful everywhere. Now, with the field of dentistry and the pandemic, dentists, the hygienists, and everybody that, that, that works in that facility are more susceptible to covid because mm-hmm. of it being a the, the the droplets that we inhale and exhale. Now, from mm-hmm. what I understand, dentists, for the most part, have taken extreme precautions even before this has happened because they understood right. how certain illnesses spread. Because, like mm-hmm. I said, I've been at the dentist twice dealing with root canals, and to me, it doesn't seem like anything's different. However, when I spoke to my dentist, he said, we've been doing it all along. They didn't have to do anything extra. Now, are you noticing that everywhere? Yeah. Um, for Specifically for dentists, I would say uh, it has been, you know, like you said, we have been doing this all along because uh, when we're working with the patients, we're working in very close proximity to their mouth, to their nose. Right. So uh, there's always this chance of getting uh, infections or something like that. So we have been following this for a very long time. Now, of course, with COVID-19, we've had to put in some uh, additional measures. You know, Uh, in the waiting area, you have to practice social distancing, adjusting uh, appointment schedules or timings that way. Uh, also taking a little extra care about your uh, your staff. So a couple of things have, of course, ramped up even more than they were before. But like you said, uh, as compared to a lot of other medical specialties, uh, dentists have been prepared for this all along. Now, the other thing is, too, and I know a lot of appointments have been pushed back, like you said, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed, and and I'm just as bad as everybody else, is that we never see the dentist unless we're in pain, which is probably not the best way to do that. You probably should see them beforehand. Now, I do get cleanings done every six months um, Mm -hmm. that my insurance allows, and that is about it. 
But when I suffer a toothache or anything else, the first thing that pops into my head is going to be, what is this going to cost me? And can I deal with the pain? And I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, the cost is always a major factor uh, every time you have this dilemma of whether or not you should get a treatment done. Uh, it's much less of a decision-making factor when, uh, you know, when push comes to shove and you're, you're having this huge swelling or a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in, in normal cases, uh, we're not as keen to go in for, uh, you know, preventive checkups. So I, I think, uh, you know, the insurance or the payer side uh, has been a little more active uh, in the past decade or so about this, uh, which has been very helpful in changing the patient's mindset. So, uh, like you said, you can come in for oral prophylaxis, you can come in for preventive checkups, which are covered by most payers right now. Okay. That has been fairly helpful. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think a little bit of uh, change in our mindset as patients, as consumers, also needs to be done because, uh, you know, and I can't stress this enough, uh, if you can, you know, the earlier you can get to your doctor, the better it is for you. It, this applies for your entire body. Right. Not just your teeth, but everything. Yeah. Every time. Because <laughs> the last root canal <laughs> I said, I told, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I told my dentist, this is the last mm-hmm. time I wait this long. If I start to feel pain, I'll be in here the next day. And he just looked at me and laughed because, again, we have our schedules are so busy that we don't have time to plan it. But yet we're willing to live in misery until we can get there. And again, it's just one of those situations. Now, another thing on your or the information I have is you talk about artificial intelligence. How does that work Mm -hmm. in dentistry? Yeah, so. Again, there, there's a lot of research going on, a lot of newer uh, modalities coming into this. Artificial intelligence are going a step ahead. Even machine learning across the field of medicine has been uh, helping in, in diagnostics, you know, in, in the diagnosis part or screening. For COVID-19, we've been using it so often now. that And it's, it's a part of... Uh, uh, dental practice, I think it would it would remain in uh, in practice for a very long time from here on too, uh, as well as you know a surveillance measure for for contact tracing and all. This is this may be a little more COVID nineteen specific, but like I said, it is going to remain uh, within dental or any other medical okay. specialty practice for a very long time. And specifically talking about dentistry, you know, uh, there's there's a there's a lot of scope for uh, using decision support tools in dentistry and any other medical specialty. Again, you know, um, AI AI uh, supported tools can help you in uh, triaging or, or or clinical care or monitoring the patients. Uh, for example, a you know uh, uh, an AI uh, supported uh, 3D imaging tool might help you better in uh, in diagnosing a tumor as, as compared to, uh, you know, separating that as compared to a regular human anatomy, right? So uh, AI decision support tools are, are very, very, I mean, I'm very uh, excited to see more and more use of that uh, within the practice. Okay. Now, with the stuff that that is being created in this, how long does it take it from the 
creation side to get in the actual dentist office? Yeah, yeah, that's that's an amazing question. And uh, uh, I think COVID-19, again, as unfortunate as the whole situation has been, uh, but it has really, really accelerated this whole process, you know. I mean, uh, the pandemic caused this massive disruption in all our lives. And uh, all of a sudden, everything that we, we believed in, everything that we've learned changed. Previously, you know, on policy levels, on government levels, uh, on patient levels, on, um, you know, hospital or doctor levels, every time we thought of adopting a new technology or a new service, it took us months even before we decide whether we want to do it or not. Okay. Now everything is happening in in matter of weeks. And and again, in you know, like you asked, how how long does it take from the inception of the idea to actually getting it into the office? Previously, it could take years for that to happen. Uh, but now, I think a couple of months is is more than enough, at, at least for you know, uh, simpler technologies or simple uh, simpler devices to be used in the office. Even if it's on you know on temporary basis, or even if you're just testing at that point, we're seeing with the vaccines, right? Uh, right. Normally, it would it would take years for the vaccines to come up. With COVID nineteen, it's it's just there in a year. So I think the 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 whole life cycle has really really gone down uh, in terms of how long it takes. Yeah. Now, do you see that eventually? dentistry will be a hands-off procedure like i know they're doing open heart surgery now and everything through robotics do you see the same thing happen in dentistry um i wouldn't say it would become an entirely hands-off uh, uh field because i i and maybe this is more of my personal uh, view but i think uh the role of a specialist in any medical specialty uh, will remain a very important, really crucial, irrespective of the technology. And, and uh, of course, we want technology to be a huge part of what we do, what we provide to the patients. Uh, but the whole point of uh, trying, to, trying to take our practice or uh, the way we conduct healthcare a step ahead is to better the services or the outcome for our patients. Okay. And I think to, to keep it at the highest level possible, you will have to have that human component, right? People go through, uh, you know, the specialists, they go through training and there's, there's an understanding of, um, you know, what is better, what is not. Of course, uh, you know, with AI and machine learning, uh, the devices and the tools that we have at our disposal now are definitely very, very helpful. But I would still think the human component remains a major, major part of this. Not to mention, uh, I think every time a doctor treats a patient for anything, uh, the human-to-human conversations or that relationship is also a very important part of treating them, right? So another question I have, which is really off the subject here, but dealing with dentistry, what type of person is it that becomes a dentist? Because well, we always see we always see these things that they like inflicting pain on people. The best way to look at it is <laughs> little shop of horrors. I mean, we see that, and and again, but I know that that can't be true. 
Well, on the contrary, I think uh, most dentists are, are are the people who who want to see their patients free of pain. Okay, you know, and uh, uh, and I can't stress this enough: how much of a toll it takes on a dental surgeon, uh, you know, going through these procedures when where you're you're putting all your focus and effort on treating a certain condition and also at the same time you, you you're worried you're taking care of the patient that he or she doesn't feel that pain uh, you know they're having the best experience possible and a dental surgeon probably does this like number of times a day right so i i personally think people who go into uh, into this field are the ones who who want to see the patients free of pain, who wants to see the patient in in the optimum health possible. Because I, I always wondered that. Now, with, with um, going into the field, what mm-hmm. is one of the major problems that you see that is the most common problem that you see in the United States with dentistry that the, the patient has? Yeah. Uh, I think this goes back to uh, one of your previous questions. Uh, I, th- I think the, the overall mindset of the patients in, in getting preventive checkups done or going to your doctor before uh, things really get bad for you. Uh, I can't tell you how many patients we see who are, you know, uh, who, who come to you with a lot of swelling or a lot of pain and, you know, Every time the patient comes in, they would say to us, I wish I came a little earlier. I wish I did not, you know, a- ignore this. Um, but like you said about your own experience, you know, uh, we we as patients go out of the clinics and then forget about this. And the next time we start having any issues, uh, it's, it's again the same thing, right? We do not go to the doctor unless it really, really gets bad. I think I think that's one thing that really uh, needs a little bit of work. Uh, as as dentists from our side, maybe we need to uh, increase uh, a little more awareness as as a government or policy. Uh, I think uh, we need to have better and flexible uh, policies for the patients to go and seek help at an earlier time. And as payers, of course, you know again. Uh, try to reimburse the patient for doing what is the right thing. Right. Now, th- th- when we start with dental health, we mm-hmm. start it with children and the brushing mm-hmm. technique. And I know mm-hmm. the right way to do it. And, and, and I mean, I, I've been told I've been very aggressive doing mine. But how do you teach a child that dental health is important? Because I know with my three kids, Getting them started doing it is like, and I hate to use the pun, but I will, like pulling teeth because they don't want to do it. They don't understand the importance of it. How do you make a child understand it's important to start good dental hygiene? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I like using the example of teaching our kids to play tennis. So if you take a, a six-year-old for a tennis lessons, the first day the kid is absolutely not want, not going to want to be there. Right. right. Uh, but you're still going to take them there the next day. The next day, maybe they can just stay there for a while, but they want to go back again. You still keep doing that. You, you keep pushing a, a little bit 
every day for them to start liking it, for them to start learning it. And eventually, more often than not, they will develop some interest in it. I think teaching the kids uh, better oral hygiene or any any good practices, it's, it's exactly the same. It's, it's a game of patience. You really have to be at it all the time. Uh, you cannot expect them to uh, love it the very first time you teach them, but kind of gradually getting them to do it. Mm-hmm. The other thing being, uh, I, I think, you know, kids really, really uh, look at the family members or their parents. And, you know, as, as the elders in the family, if we can show them that we are doing this all the time or we believe what we are preaching, then that also helps, you know, in, in, in them getting to do these things. Um, the other thing that we're noticing, too, in the United States, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, but diet has a lot to mm-hmm. do with uh, dental care. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, I, 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 maybe this is, this is all across the world, but uh, in the United States, uh, we are very much in love with sugars or uh, high-carb food or, you know, a lot of uh, fried food. Most of the junk food that we eat is very, very bad for our oral health or overall your entire body. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that we really need to take care of what we are eating. Uh, not Again, not just for your oral health. It, it's something that's going to affect your entire body. So uh, it, it is it is again an initiative that has to uh, that has to be built right within the family right uh, right from the point where you know you're a kid. So if if all you're seeing people around you eat is is fried food and burgers and you know sweet confectionery food, then that is what you're going to love to eat. Uh, I, I think building a good diet uh, habits right from the childhood is really important. What frustrates me is that when I'm out in public and I see kids under the age of four that have mm-hmm. sugary soft drinks and they're drinking it and you look closely at the teeth, you start noticing some decay or discoloration and when you mention it to the parents, oh, don't worry, their baby teeth, they're going to fall out. But the thing is, you started a habit that's going to be very right. hard to break over a period of time. And I don't think the average person understands that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very good point, you know. Uh, so, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of research showing how uh, our our soda portions are much bigger as compared to a lot of other countries you know so, and and we're so so in love with them we're promoting sodas and you know sweet drinks all over the place without uh, considering the impact it has on on the younger generation you know uh, that that that's been spoken a lot about and uh, to your point about you know hey what happens these are just baby teeth so how does it matter uh, it actually does matter having having you know uh, bad teeth at any given point, even if they're going to fall out and the newer ones are going to come. It is going to affect the newer ones that come. It, it is going to affect them. 
Now, I know I know in certain parts of the country and I know in the late 60s, this was an issue of fluoridation. Mm -hmm. And the one area that I Mm -hmm. live in, they fought against fluoridation. Mm-hmm. Are we seeing fluoridation being put back into the water again to help prevent tooth decay, or is it being removed again? Um, so yeah, I, I think this is uh, this is more uh, an area specific thing. There there are some areas or some locations where the fluoride content in in the water is really really high, and and it it, co- it does cause some harm to teeth. It, it does cause some anomalies. So I, obviously that that is uh, you know not not the right thing to do, uh, and uh, I would say for for kids you know right from right from the beginning there there are fluoride treatments in in the clinics if needed. So uh, I I wouldn't really suggest to have this one one size fits all okay. strategy and and going ahead and fluoridating water all over the place. Um, so do you feel that the, with the toothpaste that we use, we're getting enough fluoridation on a daily basis? Yeah, yeah, it, it, we do, we do. And and again, you know, on, on person-to-person basis, if there is more need of it, you could definitely have dental products or products for that, uh, but not so much uh, going on, on, a, on a mass strategy of fluoridating water. So I, I this this is this is going to be an odd question, especially one to end with today. But we're noticing dental products being advertised on TV. We've seen mm-hmm. every toothpaste in the world done in one way, shape, or form. That one's better mm-hmm. than the other. One brighters brightens the teeth better than the other. So on and so forth. My question is: these toothpastes with charcoal in them. Do they really have charcoal in them, and what are the benefits and the uh, and the negatives of using charcoal toothpaste? Because to me, that just seems odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I agree with you. There there are uh, a number of products out there available, and um, well, I I may differ in my views uh, about this with my colleagues uh but i personally think uh as long as you follow good oral hygiene a- any good product any good toothpaste that you use should be great that should be fine okay that being said for for certain conditions for certain certain patients depending on your individual uh, situation there might be you know some others that are better as compared to another product so if you if you're having sensitive teeth, toothpaste that that are better for sensitive teeth would be better for you as compared to another one which may be cheaper or it, it, it's more advertised or if the taste is more funkier. So uh, yeah, I mean depending on your individual situations, there might be uh, some toothpaste that are better for you. Uh, but for most people, like if I have to super simplify it and generalize it. But as long as you're following good oral hygiene practices, as long as you're brushing twice, as long as using you're using uh, a, you know a good toothbrush, I think any any good uh, brand of toothpaste is great to use. Now the que- the argument in my household, and it's been one since my wife my wife and I've been married almost twenty five years now. Mm-hmm. What type of toothbrush is it? Firm? Is it soft? 
is it Mm -hmm. in between? What is the best toothbrush to use? Because my argument is, if it wasn't good to use, they wouldn't be making it. (laughs) Yes, that is a very good question. So, um, again, uh, depending on your specific situation, there might be specific uh, types of toothbrushes that are better fit for you. Okay. But generalizing it, I would say... um, a medium soft or medium hard, hard. so basically a medium type of toothbrush, which is not, which does not have bristles that are super hard or super soft, because you need some some amount of tenacity, some hardness, you know, in in the bristles, so as to clean uh, the harder to clean uh, areas of your teeth, or uh, you know, uh, be able to be effective. But you also want them to be soft enough to not harm your your gums or your oral tissues, right? So um, a medium soft, a medium hard toothbrush is always better. Uh, but for people who have super sensitive teeth, softer toothbrushes or toothbrushes that are made for sensitive teeth are much better preferred. Yeah. Well. Shali, uh, I appreciate you joining me this afternoon because uh, our time is up, and I really appreciate it. Um, it gave me some insights, and if you ever want to come back on the program again, please let me know, and I'll be more than welcome to have you back again. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was great talking to you. Uh, thank you very much, and you have a great afternoon. Thank you once again to Shalee Bombray for joining me today as we talked about oral health and dental health here online with Bill Alexander. And that was great because usually you don't talk about these things. And the only time you do talk about them is when you're in pain. And usually that's complaining. But anyhow, that's going to wrap it up for yours truly, Bill Alexander. You guys have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com.